0: Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our midweek Bible study called Morning Glory. I want to invite you to grab your Bibles and meet me in the Book of Wisdom, also known as the Book of Proverbs, right after the Book of Psalms. And we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 23, and we're going to look today carefully at verses 1 and 2. Let's open up today in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we jump into Your Word, we thank You that the entrance of Your Word brings light, and we thank You, Father, that that light is understanding, its illumination, knowledge. Father, help us to take Your Word today and walk in that light. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all agree and say Amen. Now, verse one: When you sit down to eat with the ruler, consider carefully what is before you. I. Feel in my heart that the Holy Spirit is endeavoring to prepare many of you to go into the next level of blessing and Christian influence that God has prepared for you. And I think that you're going to find yourself in some very fascinating uh, scenarios and situations, and you need to be prepared for that. One of the greatest things that the Holy Spirit does is that he helps you to walk in the wisdom of Christ. Perhaps you did not learn it in college, perhaps you were not taught it in perhaps, you know, like certain types of classes, but he's still able to teach you and instruct you and get it over to you through his teaching ministry. Sometimes he'll, he'll teach it to you on the spot if you need to know it. But one of the greatest definitions of wisdom is the ability to discern difference primarily the difference between right and wrong, good and evil. But there's also an expansion of that wisdom, which is the ability to discern difference, the difference in people, the difference in a ruler, and somebody who has uh, not lived an extraordinary life. Now there are rulers who are in positions often because they have accomplished exceptional things and they are in these positions, they're in these places of great influence, sometimes national influence, sometimes even extending beyond that. And I believe you're going to find yourself in some very interesting circles in the days, weeks, and months to come. So get ready. Get ready. Let the Holy Spirit prepare you to be sitting down and eating and conversing with a ruler. Praise God. When you sit down to eat with a a ruler, consider carefully what is before you. Now so think about it. Think about what is before you. There's a reason why. And put a knife to your throat if you are a man given to appetite. The knife to the throat is a old Middle Eastern expression that basically means not necessarily that you're going to, you know, grab a knife and you know, kind of freak everybody out because you're pulling a knife out at the dinner table. Uh, no, it means that you are applying a very strong self-restraint <laughs> against the appetites within yourself. And we all have appetites. Please do not hold these two verses to a one-dimensional meaning. We're not just talking about food on the table. You, you could make that application. But the biblical application runs a whole lot deeper than, you know, don't eat the Twinkies, you know, or don't eat the oysters, they're not kosher. Uh, I think we have some basic understanding of that, but we're going deeper with the control of appetite, particularly when you are seated with a ruler. And put a knife to your throat if you are a man given to appetite. Praise the Lord. A ruler is different in the context of, at their table, they can eat anything they want, anytime they want. This, this is normal for them. This is not something that, you know, is like an annual feast, or the once in a blue moon big banquet, let's go all out and uh, buy everything we want. Let's get some chicken and some uh, filet mignon, and no, this is, this is any time they want it for them. Uh, you know, if it costs a $1,000 to eat like that a day, that's, they don't even feel it. So this is normal for them, and they have their environment that they're comfortable in. And as you come into their environment, uh, because that's the ruler, as you come into their environment, you have to merge into that with the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. The first thing I would Suggest is that when you are brought into that environment is, number one, act like you belong there. I'm going to try to share some things with you today that will assure that you coming to dine with the ruler, it's not a one-time experience where you're in uh, and you, it was wonderful, you loved it, but it was just a one-time thing because you did some things that caused you to lose favor. We want this to be something where you can contribute the anointing, the blessing that God has placed in your life. See, favor opens the door, but once you go through the door, that's when the gift and the anointing that God has placed within you can function. And so you not only want to go through the door, you want to remain there so that you can be a blessing, and so that you can also be a witness for Christ in the way that He has gifted and anointed you. So with humility, realize that you do belong there at the table. Enjoy yourself. But the underlying message of these two verses is that while you're at the table, please hear me today very carefully. While you're at the table, please don't overextend yourself. If you're at the table and the ruler is eating a $12 hamburger that he ordered off the menu, don't uh, order the $42 specialty filet mignon steak. Don't do that. Oh well, he's a ruler, Pastor Stephen, that's no strain for him. I mean I'm at the I'm at the table of the ruler. Yes, but you're not there to compete with the ruler or to try to outdo him, because trust me, although he could buy the whole steakhouse if he wanted to, he'll notice that you were excessive. He'll notice that you extended yourself beyond even what he was doing. And beyond what everybody else at the table was doing, also keep that in mind. Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. Most people that are in a rulership type position, a great leader, somebody who has accomplished something extraordinary, they behind the scenes, despite the idea uh, uh, ideologies of socialism and uh, and all of this stuff, behind the scenes these men or women have paid a price to get there. They have been willing to do what the others have not been willing to do. And if that meant working 18 hours a day, they were willing to pay, pay that price. If it meant risking everything in a certain business adventure, because in their heart it felt right, yet at the same time there was no guarantee, but yet they went for it, and it turned out to be a gold mine, so to speak, and uh, it was a product that blessed a lot of people, and through that risky venture, uh, which was also well calculated through a lot of research and a lot of good business planning, they uh, became very wealthy, then you have to understand that they paid their dues, and if you come to the table recognizing their difference, and that you can value that, and you're not this, just there to grab, this is your one moment to grab, then you will be seated at that table, trust me, on a regular basis, praise the Lord. Mm-mm. The ruler wants people at the table who can think like he or she does. They want people there that can value, uh the understanding that these things were earned, that these things were not given. And even if they were given in the sense of an inheritance, that inheritance has been guarded, it has been protected, and it has also been something that's been stewarded over. Now any Christian should understand stewardship, because the Lord gives us blessings, but even as much as He blesses us with, it still has all come from His hands. And even when David... Was making the lavish offering towards the future temple that was going to be built. And he's, he's leading in the giving. He's not only giving uh, out of the, the national fund, he's giving out of his personal fund. And he's giving very, very generously. But he, he pulled back and said, Lord, with all of this giving that we're doing, it was very sacrificial and it was, it was affluent. He said, Lord, it still all came from you. Everything that we're giving, he even said, all of his own personal giving, he said, hey, "This is just stuff that you gave me. This is stuff that you gave us. Everything came from you in the first place." <laughs> Woo, glory to God! So, understand the principles of stewardship. Understand uh, the value of what God has done in your life and also in the lives of others, Mm-mm. and be able to show at the table, self-restraint. We all have appetites. We're not here just talking about food today, although at the table you certainly wouldn't want to start, you know, just wiping out the, all the food on the table, eat all the corn on the cob, and eat all the mashed potatoes, and you know, there's nothing left over even for the ruler, or for the king. But I think we can understand that. But we all have appetites, and you want to keep those in the right place, praise the Lord. The appetite for success, the appetite for recognition, the appetite for friendship, the appetite for acceptance, the appetite for, you know, wanting to have a hobby, the appetite to enjoy recreational things, be it sports or whatever it might be. We have appetites, but we want to keep them balanced and you never want to get into this thing where, I don't, I don't know why it happens, it's human, something about human nature, where sometimes a competitive thing begins to come up inside of a person, and the last thing you want to do at the table is try to compete with the ruler. Because trust me, the ruler, it's not going to be impressed uh, with what you think is impressive. Now maybe in your realm it is impressive, but, it, but in his realm he's, he, 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 he passed that up years ago. <laughs> he's, he's way beyond that. So you don't, you don't want to do that. And you have to put that knife there, not a real knife, but a restraint where you're showing honor and the last thing you want to do is show some type of competitiveness. You know, when I was in my early 20s, It was uh, summertime, and we had a family vacation. Uh, Me and my brothers, we were out of college, and so we went home to see our parents, and we had a little vacation at the beach. Well, uh, it kind of worked out uh, for a little bit of time there where I had some, just time to talk to my dad. I I can't even remember what my brothers were doing there around there somewhere, Uh, but I was just talking to my dad as he and I were walking on the beach together. And, you know, by this time, I had already had ran, you know, track all through high school, had uh, been running now in college for a couple of years, and had gotten pretty good. Uh, Not world class, you know, it's not like I was going to make the Olympic team, but anybody, you know, you train for, you know, uh, six or eight years like that consistently, you're going to, you're going to get pretty good in whatever your niche sport is. Well, as my dad and I were walking along the beach, he said to me, he said, Stephen, he said, let's race. Now he's getting close to 50. He said, let's race. And he pointed to like an imaginary finish line about 60 or 70 yards out. And he said, let's race to that, that spot. I said, okay, dad, you know, caught me off guard. And so we take off and he takes off and he's running just as fast and as hard and he's straining. He's running as fast as he can. And I'm just kind of running along with him, And I'm letting him lead by just a few inches. You know, he's like four, four or six inches in front of me, and we've crossed the finish line. And we stop, and he's huffing and puffing and stuff like that. And uh, he he looked at me and he said he said Stephen, um, he said now be honest. He said you weren't even trying, were you? (laughs) I said no, Dad, not really. (laughs) He said you weren't even running top speed by any means. I said no. I said, no, not really. But see, I'm not going to beat my dad. I'm not going to just like, well, I'll show you what I can do. And, you know, just run as hard as I can and leave him, you know, uh, back in the dust, so to speak. I'm not going to do that. Love doesn't do something like that. Love prefers the other. Love in your heart says, no, just, you know, look, look, I've had my moment. I've had plenty of times on the racetrack. When I was a a senior in high school, I was winning almost every track meet that I showed up to. So look, I've already had my, my fun in the sun. And so I'm just here to have fun with you today. And you go ahead and take this one. And I'm not even going to erase you in a sense to like show you what I can really do. I have no desire to do that. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So be willing to deny yourself certain things while you're at the table with the ruler. Praise the Lord. Even if those things are permissible. Mm-mm. If if the ruler says let's go play tennis, and you're the former collegiate champ, well, that's not the time while you're out there playing tennis with him to just you know ace every serve and you know hit it back to him and knock the racket out of his hands and uh, no you don't you don't do that to that person <laughs> why uh, wisdom is the ability to recognize difference because the ruler has the ability to bless. The ruler is thinking different. Uh, The, the ruler thinks on a different uh, frequency in the sense, and they're not, they're not there to compete with you. They're there really in their heart to release blessing into your life. And so I know with youth, uh, with youth there's a lot of energy, there's a lot of competitiveness. Even if it's climb up the tree. Let's see who can climb up the tree the fastest. Well, let's, let's get over there and see. And when you get older, it's like, well, I'm not going to race. I'll just, I'll just get in the car and drive. You know, I, I don't need to run anymore. And it's, it's a different way of thinking. So the Lord is preparing you to go into a place where when you come in, you come in with no competitive nature. You come in simply to be a blessing. You come in to lift them up. You come in to bring light. Hallelujah. You come in to bring joy, and trust me, they're going to want you at the table. (laughs) They'll move somebody else out of the way. (laughs) And I think, I think while you know who you are in the Lord, and you're very confident with that, and it doesn't mean that you ever become a doormat, or you let somebody uh, abuse that through, you know, trying to get you to, be out of character, it does mean that you do, you do understand humility. Uh, th- there is a balance with humility and strength, and sometimes the best way to understand that balance, I would say, is to see it demonstrate it and then and then you can see it more clearly. Uh, see it demonstrate it, and also allow the Holy Spirit to instruct you there's a place where that seat is yours. There's another time where Jesus said, take the lower seat when you're going to uh, these special meetings, and then you'll get promoted upward. There's another time where uh, the Apostle Peter said, look, we cannot uh, be serving food to the uh, the Hellenists, the Greek-speaking Jews. Uh, we're supposed to be over here in prayer and the study of the Word so that we can minister the Word. We're, it's not fitting for us apostles to be over here serving food to people. So there's, there's a balance. And the Holy Spirit will help you with that. I remember seeing a great balance of humility and strength one time when my wife and I were serving as ushers in the church. We had just been married, And you know there was the Pensacola revival that was taking place in 1996, and well, that that didn't really spread out of Florida, although they tried one time to give it a jump start to see if the fire would catch in California. So uh, my pastor hosted uh, most of the Brownsville ministry team, and they came out to Southern California. And the place was, you know, the church was packed out, thousands and thousands of people there. And uh, that same anointing that was in Brownsville did not take off in California, Uh, but they gave it a good try. Nevertheless, this is what happened on one of those nights. There were thousands of people there. My wife and I uh, were in school of ministry, but at the same time they would use the, the young school of ministry students to help out with ushering and things like that. So we were ushering. And we were standing at the back of the church. The church was uh, getting uh, about halfway filled up. It was still early before the main service that evening. And we noticed a minister. He came in, uh, world famous. He came in. He wasn't on the schedule to speak. Nobody knew that he was coming. He came in, and he sat in the very back of a large church, and he sat at the end of the row, and uh, he seemed almost to be invisible to everybody, but me and Kelly thought, "Is that uh, brother so and so the the man of God, and uh, we went over and said hi to him just to make sure it wasn 't a secret twin or, or you know somebody that maybe looked a lot like him, but nope, it was him and we said oh we 're so glad you 're here." and we said, "Would you please stay here just for a few minutes?" And um, he said, "Sure." and we went to the front of the church and it, it, took us a little while to get up there, because it was a, it was a big place, thousands of people, and he's sitting in the very back, unannounced, and we went all the way to the front, and we told one of the elders, one of the associate pastors, we said, hey, uh, brother so-and-so, the man of God, he's sitting back there in the back, he just came in. And this one pastor that we told that to said, ah, that's fine, let him sit back there. And me and Kelly just knew that's not right. You don't have somebody of that stature in the body of Christ sit on the back row uh, when that's not where they belong. And so we went and told another elder who was sharp, and who was anointed, and could move in the Spirit, and really also more of the right-hand man of the senior pastor. We went and told him that uh, the great man of God is sitting in the back. He said, and that elder said, He is? He's here in the meeting? We said, yeah, he's sitting right back there in the back. We just went over and talked to him, and asked him to stay there, because let's try to get him up to the front. And that elder said, absolutely, we've got to get him on the front. We've got to get him on the front row. And uh, so he went back there with us, and we said, oh, by all means, come with us. And we took him all the way to the front, and uh, created a spot for him. And during that meeting tonight, guess who the Holy Spirit fell upon with a beautiful prophecy, That blessed everybody in the meeting. The Holy Spirit fell on that minister that we pulled all the way up to the front. So that's a great example of strength. He was a great man of God, but humility, he went in and sat unannounced on the very back row. And the next thing you know, he's on the front. And the next thing you know after that, when the service got rolling and the Spirit began to move, the Spirit fell on that man to bring a word, to bring a great prophecy to the body of Christ. Praise the Lord. So I believe that when you get that balance just right, you know who you are, you have humility, but you also know that you're anointed to be there, that you can really be a blessing uh, to some very select people, and then through those select people, it will reverberate out uh, to a lot of other people at the same time. Praise God thank you, Lord Jesus. Uh, Here's just a short example in the life of Joseph. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 41, verse 12, Now there was a young Hebrew man with us there, a servant of the captain of the guard, and we told him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each man he interpreted according to his own dream, and it came to pass, just as he interpreted for us, so it happened, he restored me to my office and he hanged him. This is talking about the butler and the baker. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. Anytime you're coming before a ruler, and he, you, if you're coming before Pharaoh, you're, you're coming before the preeminent ruler. On the face of the earth, you're coming before the Pharaoh that's ruling over the nation with the greatest military power, with you know the might and the prestige, that's where you're going. So when you're coming into a new atmosphere that maybe you haven't been into before, understand they have their own protocol, and it's time to merge into that. What did it mean? Well, it meant the first thing that you're going to do is shave because although many of the uh, Hebrew men preferred a beard, and you know, when you're in prison, you can wear your beard. But in this case, to come before Pharaoh, beards were just, uh, it was a no-go. Well, now Pastor Stephen, I'm a, I'm a beard guy, and you know what? I'm not going to give that up. Well, I think you would probably give it up if it meant the release of your destiny. If it meant you stepping into the fullness of what God has for you, you'd, you'd be amazed how fast you'd fall in love with a razor. Woo! Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. Where's that shaving cream? Mm-mm. You'd be shaving real quick, and you know a change, a change of clothing. So you go with their protocol, and as long as it's not requiring you to compromise your principles or you know Christian principles or anything like that, you're, you're fine. These are just uh, customary things, and so you learn that. And you merge in with that. And it's different with different types of uh, settings. Everybody has their own um, ecology. You know, it's like an ecological system. Uh, you, and you go into it, it's different in different places. So you just merge with the way it is. And you walk in that wisdom of the Holy Spirit, who, uh, you know, that, that is flowing from the wisdom of Christ. And it goes into your mind. And it helps you to act right, helps you to talk right. Mm-mm. Thank you, Jesus. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. What a wise statement! It shows humility and also it's showing at the same time, I can help you. The Lord has anointed me to help you, and something peaceful is coming your way. There's a lot of wisdom in that, and the way that you conduct yourself, the way that you speak to those that would be in positions of rulership, showing honor to whom honor is due. I believe that you're going to have these meals with the ruler, and I believe that um, there's something about that person that God assigns you to, um, it, it almost seems like there's a light over them. Now, in the natural, is there, are there light bulbs shining down on them? No, but um, it's the Holy Spirit anointing, and that person stands out like they're illuminated, almost like they have a halo. What does that mean when you see that? It means that the Lord wants you to be a blessing to that person. It's a divine. Assignment. Praise God. And so Joseph and the giftings that God has placed within him is being assigned to Pharaoh. Praise the Lord. And in verse 42, then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. I mean, Pharaoh had never seen any type of anointing ever before like he saw on Joseph. The uh, the wisdom, uh, the brilliance, Uh, The supernatural gifting, he was stunned. And so now he is going to release blessing. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him in garments of fine linen, and put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot, which he had, and they cried out before him, bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnath-Paneah, and he gave him as a wife, Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. So Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. So he's now in. He used to be on the outside, and he's now in. And one of the things that will keep you in is don't extend there at the table beyond uh, what is your proper allotment in other words when you're dining with the ruler don't overdo it use self-control uh, you don't take a real knife but you're taking a symbolic life a uh, symbolic knife of restraint and you're realizing there's plenty here. I don't need to gorge and grab like this is a one-time meal. In other words, Joseph is not saying, you know what, Pharaoh, that's, I'm really glad you're blessing me, but uh, the the lady that you picked for me, uh, I don't know if that's the one for me. What about this lady over here? Is she single? Is she available? No, you don't do that you just you you receive what the blessing is now Pharaoh, i thank you for giving me a new name but you know can we change it up a little bit something maybe a little more snazzy i, I don't know if no, no if that's the name he's giving you that is your allotment and you take that you don't overextend if you do you'll lose favor and you're not going to be at the table very long. It's understanding how to behave at the table when dining uh with a ruler. Praise the Lord. There's always going to be something that's newer, that maybe you want to reach for, that's shinier, that's bigger, that's the next latest, greatest thing. Look, this stuff is always going to be out there. But there is a place in Christ where you learn. That this is God's blessing for this season in my life, and I don't need to overextend or try to be fake and act like I'm something that I'm not yet. You will get there, but just walk in humility. Mm, mm, mm. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. This is important about not overextending, it's very important for ministers. Let me talk to you, ministers, just for a moment. the American culture is a culture where greed is tolerated. The American culture, in some areas of finance and economic, uh, you know, workings, uh, greed is not only tolerated, greed is actually celebrated. Now the, the people that do it wouldn't actually say that because they know, hey, that, that's not, not something that we should confess, but it's, it's absolutely something that they do. And they're going to get it, and no matter what it takes, they're going, they're going to pursue. So that culture that is a part of the American identity, uh, sadly enough, of greed, you have to make sure that that spirit, because it is a spirit, greed is a spirit, you have to make sure that it does not work its way into your your heart, because it can have uh, terrible consequences upon your ministry. Praise the Lord. Um, a certain uh, pastor, uh, a lady pastor, she was talking about how one of her assistants. Now, the assistant is not a minister; uh, more uh, just kind of like you know the bookkeeper uh, helping out in areas like that. But one of the assist her assistants. Uh, Had gone to a meeting with her, and the pastor said that the assistant uh, had to fly back on her own because the pastor had some other things to do, was going to fly back a different route. Well, the assistant had quite a story to tell uh, when the pastor got home about uh, the assistant's trip on the airplane, the flight home, because she was flying home by herself. She had gotten on the airplane and uh was all happy she'd gone to a fun christian conference or something like that and she was all happy and she got on the plane to fly home and uh there was a seat empty next to her and she was wondering i wonder who's going to sit there well a lady came uh and sat down there and the lady was wearing a uh, kind of a large black hat and as the plane uh you know took off and they got up the cruising altitude uh the lady uh, with the black hat uh, started to quietly under her tongue, you know, not out loud, but just quietly she began to pray. She kind of closed her eyes and began to pray. Well, the unassuming uh, bookkeeper, Christian bookkeeper said, uh, oh, excuse me, are you praying? Are you a Christian? And she, you know, she was real excited. She thought she was sitting next to another Christian. Uh, But the lady with the black hat said, oh, no, I'm not a Christian. Why would I be a Christian? That, that, I would never do that. She said, I'm a witch. And we just concluded a conference, uh, because this was in Massachusetts. And she said, we just finished a conference there in Salem, where all of us witches got together, and we fasted and prayed. Now, of course, they're praying to uh, their dark master, Uh, but they fasted and prayed for 40 days. And, um, when this lady told that to the uh, you know pastor's assistant, the pastor's assistant just was like got terrified, uh, terrified. And she said, "Well, like, what are you pray? What were you praying and fasting for?" And the witch said, "We were praying and fasting for forty days with no food, to seduce the American ministers to get into greed and lust, because if they get into greed and lust, their ministries." Will be dishonored and they will lose their impact. Mm -mm -mm. How about that? You have to be careful with overextending. Overextending. I want this. I want that. And maybe it's lawful. Maybe it's permissible. But just grabbing, grabbing. I want this. I want that. I need more. I've already got five of those. I want another one. The new ones come out. And you're grabbing, grabbing, grabbing. See, I teach biblical prosperity, because it's in the Bible. The Lord wants you blessed. The the Lord does not want you to be in poverty. Poverty has always been identified by God, and expressed through His Word as being a product of the curse. So God doesn't want you to be in, in poverty any more than He wants you to be cursed. He wants you to be blessed. But you have to remember with that blessing, there is a balance because if you just keep pursuing prosperity prosperity and 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 you know you're then you're influenced by the culture of the world that also just grabs and reaches and extends overextends wanting more 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 never satisfied and you get in the greed you're going to get into trouble and then particularly for ministers your ministry will run out of oil you'll get distracted you'll begin to run spiritually dry And I know some ministers, pastors, good pastors that this has happened to. They were pastoring uh, good churches, but uh, maybe something happened where they started to make some money on the side. I know some of them were good investors, and they started making money on the side. And the next thing you know, their, their sermons are just, uh, they are technically correct, but there's no anointing. Just as, just as dead and dry as can be. And these are supposed to be Pentecostal spirit-filled, fire-breathing ministers, but the messages just have absolutely no life. Why? They're overextending. They're not content with where they're at. They want more, more, more. And so now they're caught up with their their new investment, and they're making a lot of money on the side. And there's nothing wrong with doing maybe something on the side, but you have to be real careful with that. As a minister, Um, I talked with a world famous a friend of mine, and uh, we were talking about investments, and he just said, Stephen, I can't do any investments. I I came out of a background uh, of Wall Street and all of that, and you know, now he's a famous televangelist, but he said, I can't, I can't do that stuff anymore at all. I said, why? He said, it totally distracts me. He said, I'm good at making money, and if I start doing that, that thing starts getting back into me, and I, he said, I can't have any of it. I said, I totally understand what you're talking about. And for me, I'm a preacher. I give all of my focus, all of my attention to the ministry, and I trust the Lord to bless me. Could I go do something on the side? I, I could. I'm not saying that's uh, not lawful, and I'm not saying that it's wrong for a minister to do, to do that. I'm just saying for me, it's a distraction. And I don't want to do that. I just trust the Lord to take care of me. I trust the Lord to bless me, and He has been very, very good to me. Praise the Lord. Here's a quote from Thomas Aquinas. Uh, in the Catholic Church, Thomas Aquinas was considered a doctor. Now when I say a doctor, I'm not talking about a doctor that does medical surgery on somebody, but a doctor of the Word of God. He was brilliant in teaching brilliant in in the Scriptures, and I want to read a quote uh, to you from him about something that happened in his life that I think could be very uh, relevant. Now remember, I'm talking about how to conduct yourself when you're dining with a ruler, when you're dining with the king, with a pharaoh, or whatever the, the scenario might be. Praise the Lord. I want to help you keep your special anointing so that what God has given you never becomes diluted, not one bit, but that you're actually increasing in the grace of God upon your life. In these unique arenas that God places you in, mm-mm. Aren't you glad that Daniel didn't go backwards? that Daniel serving in the royal court there in Babylon didn't say, ooh, look at all this food, look at all of this wine, look at all, look at, ooh, oysters and scallops, mm, 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 mm. No, he kept the law, he refused to eat the food why it wasn't kosher, but he also uh, kept his balance, even to the point where later in his prophetic ministry, when he's serving now the king's son, and decades have gone by and he gives the prophetic interpretation to the new king about this, the mystery of what was written on the wall, well, uh, when the interpretation was given, the young king says, you know what, I'm going to give you all this gold, and I'm going to give you all these gifts, and Daniel just said, no, keep it to yourself. You you can have it. Daniel was more interested in integrity, ethics, right governing, you know, we we don't need to be doing this corruption. We don't need to be doing all this crazy stuff. We need to do things right. That's where his heart was at. He could not be bought. Praise the Lord, Amen. And so, uh, if if you overreach, though, you will corrupt that safeguard. So you have to be in a place where, like Apostle, the Apostle Paul said, "I know what it is to have abundance." I know what it is where there's times where there's an insufficiency, where there's a need. But see, God will always come along if you hold steady, and He will supply that need that you have. Praise the Lord. He always will. He always will. So you have to stay strong in the Lord and be consistent. Now, Thomas of Aquinas was called the angelic doctor because he was a celebrated scholastic teacher He was born in the kingdom of Naples. That wasn't, of course, Naples, Florida. That would be Naples, Italy. Born about the year 1225. He was a Dominican, and uh, he was famous for his tremendous teaching ability. But see, he also had a deep walk with God. Mm -mm. And he taught in Paris, and he taught in Rome, and he died in the year 1274. Now, one day, when he went to go see the Pope, that would have been Innocent the second, Pope Innocent. When he went before the Pope, there before the Pope was a large sum of money that the Pope had spread out, all kinds of money and uh, representations of wealth, and the Pope was all happy. Mm-mm. And he said to Thomas Aquinas, he said, you see, the church is no longer in that age in which she said, silver and gold have I none? True, Holy Father, replied Aquinas, neither can she any longer say to the lame, rise up and walk. Mm -mm. See, there's a balance. There's a balance. And if you're not careful with that balance, and you start overextending, overextending, you'll lose the anointing. You'll lose what's of true value. Oh, it doesn't mean you can't have prosperity. God will bless you. God will bless you. But you have to also realize that it is very advantageous to be happy in your heart, and to have a wallet full of money, and to be able to walk through the mall, and see all kinds of things, but say, you know, but just say to yourself, you know what? There's all kinds of things I could buy. There's nice stuff, But you know what? I'm happy. I don't don't really need to buy something to make me happy. And uh, you know, I I don't really see anything that I need. I'm fine. I'll just keep the money. Maybe I'll bless somebody. Maybe I'm I'm just walking around and look for somebody that I can be a blessing to. See, that's when you're getting into that place where you'll always be comfortable around around a ruler. It doesn't matter if they're a multi-billionaire. You're comfortable. You're secure in who you are in the Lord. You're not trying to, you know, drop hints so that you can pull something out of somebody. Hey, you know, I, I can use one of those. I can use a new one of those. You don't need to. You don't need to play those games. You don't need to do stuff. All that stuff like that is in the flesh. Now, if somebody wants to bless you, sure. You you're 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 you have a good heart and you know how to receive, and you know how to show thanksgiving and gratitude. But you're not just trying to grasp trying to, you know, always reach and uh, manipulate people. You don't, you don't play those games. Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. Thank you, Jesus. I think if there's any area where perhaps we could show maybe an overextension, it should be for the kingdom of God. It should be for the Lord. and our own lives, let's show self-restraint. Let's show self-control. Yes, let's be blessed, but at the same time, it doesn't mean you always need the next super whopper, super duper thing. Show maturity, show self-restraint. Praise God. Mm -mm. But I believe with the kingdom of the Lord, if there were to be a place where we would extend or reach for the extra, that should be where it's at as we're trying to reach the lost, we're reaching as far as we can. Matthew chapter 6, verse 32, For after all these things, you know, the food, the drink, the things of the world, all the stuff, for after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Praise the Lord. I enjoyed the story that Pastor Benny Hinn told one time when there was a building that he and his uh, ministry team leaders had looked at and really could use this extra, extra building because of the growth of the ministry and uh, you know the the expansion of the ministry reaching lives and you know, the realtor said, this is how much it cost, and uh, they looked at the, at the building and thought, this would be great. But, you know, afterwards, uh, when the numbers were crunched, uh, and Benny Hinn said that he spoke with his, his uh, realtor, that they just realized it's, it's too much money. It costs too much money. And he said, well, tell the, the realtor that's selling it, that, you know, we'd really like it, but it's just, we can't do it right now. We can't do it. So, um, Benny Hidd went home, and uh, uh, later that evening, he, w- he said he was taking a shower, and he was shampooing his hair. And when he was shampooing his hair, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, Don't lose that building. <laughs> so he said he jumped out of the shower, <laughs> you know, wet, and grabbed the phone and called, the, called this realtor, and said, Call the realtor. We've got to have that building. God wants us to have that building. And so that's what I'm talking about. If there's going to be an extension, if there is going to be a reaching, let it be for the kingdom of God. Let it be for the things of God. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. We see these men in the Old Testament, uh, Ezra and Nehemiah, the cupbearer to the king, yet one day he's sad, something you should never do in the royal court something you should never do in the sense of dining with the king but the king noticed that he wasn't happy and the king said what's wrong and he said he said king he said you know forgive me for my countenance i i know i'm never supposed to appear before you like this but i'm troubled i'm troubled for my my people i'm troubled for jerusalem that that lays in ruins and it it weighs on my heart and so See, he's not asking or extending to the king for a personal blessing. He's thinking about the kingdom of God. To the degree where the king said, You know what? He said, I'm going to send you on a journey and I'm going to send you provision, and you go back there and you do what you need to do. You start rebuilding the wall, and uh, get that city back in shape, and I'm going to give you uh, legal documents that will authorize you to do it, and I'm going to give you financial provision so that you can hire the workers and get this thing going, and then come back at this appointed time, and, uh, you know, assume your position. So I believe that if we will use self-restraint, in the areas where, you know what, we've got all eternity to enjoy some of these things that we're holding back on. You know, I don't play golf. Not that there's anything wrong with golf. It's a beautiful sport. And, you know, golf courses are very attractive because they're, they're, uh, it's an element of paradise restored with their beauty and so forth. But there's certain things I don't do because, well, if I do it, I'm probably going to really like it. And, you know, the bottom line is I've got all eternity to do that maybe when I get to Heaven one day when our race is finished, our, the course has been run, maybe, maybe I'll ask the Lord for I uh, uh, I don't know, maybe a, a mansion where in my backyard I've got a golf course. I, I don't know. But I, I do know for now that we should show restraint. But if we're going to extend and reach out there and take a chance on something, let's let it be for the Kingdom of God, because that will last for all eternity. Let's balance these things right. Hallelujah, glory to God. Showing self-control at the table of the King, and at the same time, should there be, should there be a release of your heart towards the things of God, and it just comes out to the King, to the ruler, then when it's the Lord, and it's, it's something totally of the Lord, then the Lord will move in those situations. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory, glory to God. I believe the Lord is going to do some interesting things for you with your placement. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Mm, mm, mm. Bless it be the name of the Lord. Watch what God is going to do. Prepare yourself. Now you're going to have to walk very close to the Lord. So that the wisdom of Christ, now it says in the Bible that we have the mind of Christ, but that must not just be something that is a position that we have because of our standing in Christ, it must also be a reality that is experienced by that mind of Christ, that oil of the Spirit flowing into our understanding, and so you're going to have to walk really close with the Lord so that you can function in these higher arenas. Mm -mm, Get ready for it. Now eventually you will acclimate to it, but when you first come into it, oh yeah, you're going to have to be on your toes. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, I pray for your people today that they will have that beautiful balance of being able to hold the symbolic knife to their throat of self-restraint, Father, sometimes a lot of that has to do with words. Sometimes just being quiet and not saying anything, and sometimes talking, but also talking within the proper parameter and not going beyond that and then doing something that would cause the loss of favor. So, Father, if there needs to be a Holy Spirit uh, suppressor over their tongue, (laughs) maybe like a muzzle, that would need to be on their mouth at times, where they just know, I need to be quiet now. Lord, help that to be there. And other times, when they need to speak, let the authority of Christ be expressed through them. Thank you, O God. Thank you. Thank you, Father, because there will will be times you're going to give them the answer. You're going to give them the solution that's needed in that boardroom, that's needed uh, in the director's meeting that's needed in this uh, new business, or this new build, or this new project that's starting up. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Thank you, O God. Thank you, Father God. Father, we thank you that as we put your kingdom first, then you're going to add to us all of these other things that those in the world that don't know you grasp for with such greed and lust, they would do anything just about to get it, and some would do anything, regardless of what the price tag was, they would, they would do it. But Father, we're different. You add that to us with no strain, no struggle, because we have a, we have your heart, O God. So thank you, Father, in this hour in which we're in, let your kingdom go forth with, with royal beauty. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. I see that, you're assigning your ambassadors to certain new positions. New doors are going to open, just like they did for Joseph, and he went through the door. And Father, there was some even greater things that were assigned to Joseph's life that time he wasn't aware of, such as the restoration of he and, of, he and his relationship with his brothers, and very importantly, with his father So Father, we just thank You. You have a lot planned. There's a lot writing. There's a lot writing on these, um, how can we say, sit-downs with the ruler. So Lord, we just thank You for wisdom and anointing. We give You praise. In the name of Jesus, thank You for the flow of wisdom. In the name of Jesus, Amen. And Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God! You're going to find that you are going to have to really lean on the Lord, because without His help, it's true you don't know what to do. Yes, you're smart. Yes, you're uh, you're well trained. Yes, you've done all you can in the natural, but there will be situations where the only answer is the answer that comes from on high. Now you have access into that realm through your walk with the Lord, but you're going to have to really lean on Him but as you do, you'll be made to stand out just like Daniel did. Glory to God. You'll be like a star that twinkles, that stands out. Woo! Glory to God. Get ready. Father, we give you all of the praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. This proper dining with the ruler comes out of your proper dining with the Lord. When you know the Lord, and you don't look at the Lord like some kind of a, you know, just a person to go before, like, God, I want this, 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 I want that, 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 but you're there for much more than that. Yes, there are times for petitions and requests, but you're also there for fellowship, and you're also there for like, God, I want to know you. I want to like, be like Abraham. I, I want to be a, your friend. Praise the Lord. Then, when you have been with the King of Kings, oh, it's easy to go before any any earthly ruler, regardless of their high status or position. It's very easy, very easy, to go before them and talk to them when you have been in fellowship and conversation with the Great King Himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, Father, we give you praise. If there's anyone watching today and you don't know Jesus as your King and Savior but you want to. Well, pray this prayer right now, and He will do a great work for you. Just say, Jesus, pray it out from your heart right now. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, but you died on the cross to save, to rescue sinners like me. Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Wash all of my sins away with your precious blood. Save me right now. Write my name in your book of life. Jesus, thank you. I take you now as my Lord and Savior. In your name I pray, Amen and Amen. My friend, welcome to the family of God. Those of you that just prayed that prayer for the first time, God bless you. You belong to the Lord now. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's honor the Lord today, and let's take Holy Communion, grab some grape juice. That's what I have in my cup here. Grab some unleavened bread. If you don't have one of these little wafers, you could get a salting cracker or something similar. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. And let's pray over the the bread and the juice. Father. We set the bread and, and juice apart as holy through this prayer. We consecrate it as holy as the body and the blood of Jesus. And Father, we are told in your word that when we do this, we and we partake of the communion, we proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. We thank you that he's coming back. And it was through his death that he purchased our full redemption. We thank you that we are redeemed redeemed from sin and spiritual death, and that we belong to You, and we're going to live with You forever in Heaven. Father, let our lives count while we're here on the earth. Lord, deliver us from temptation, deliver us from evil, deliver us from greed and grasping, and constantly wanting more and more, and never satisfied. Let us thank You every day for what we do have. Let us, let us not take for granted all that You have done. We give you praise. We give you praise. And Father, should we reach, should we extend, let it be for your kingdom. Let it be for things of eternal value. Thank you, Father. And we receive your word that as we do that, you'll add all of these other things. Yes, the other things are fun. But Father, let our focus, our heart be right. Let us serve. Let us honor those that you have placed us under the authority of. We're all under the authority of Christ, but there's structure, there's order, there's hierarchy. And Father, you said in your Word, give honor to whom honor is due. We thank you, Father God, glory to God for our unique assignments as a body and also as individuals. Father, we give you praise. We give you glory. We thank you. Father, thank you for the body of Jesus as we receive it now. We thank you for strength and anointing to do what you have called us to do. Hallelujah! Let us function in our unique anointings. Let us stay in our lane, not trying to be something you haven't called us to be, or trying to do something you haven't called us to do, but let us be the very best in what you have called us to do. Let that focus come alive. Thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name, Amen. Let's receive the body of Christ. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, the things of you may seem like foolishness to those that are in the world. The cross is foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us, it's life, because Christ went to that cross to die for our sins, sinless and innocent, having never committed one sin. He became the perfect sacrifice to redeem lost humanity, both Jew and Greek, back to you, O God, through His great sacrifice. So Father, we thank You that Jesus died to redeem the whole world, that anybody that would put their faith and trust in Him should not perish. But have everlasting life. So, Father, as we receive the blood of Christ, we proclaim His death. We thank you He's coming back, that it's through His death that He has made redemption for us. Hallelujah. Father, for those that had just got, maybe we could say, caught up in the rat race, maybe caught up in the holidays of um, just the rush and caught up in the glitter, but not caught up in the reality of the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. Father, let us get back to basics, lest we be like that, that precious Pope who got off track and thought it was all about the strength that they had now in their own ability. When Thomas Aquinas said, well, yeah, it is true that we can say that we no longer have a uh, lack of silver or gold, but we, 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 can't, we can't get the crippled up anymore. We can't say to the lame, rise and walk. Father, let us have the right balance. Yes, we do need prosperity, but let us have the right balance. Let us not lose our spirituality. Let us not compromise our walk with you in the midst of a very Laodicean age. We thank you, Father God. Let us have our edge, and let us be increasing in our walk with you. Thank you for the precious blood of Christ. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's receive. Woo, Glory to God. Hallelujah. I agree with the famed British Apostle of Faith, Smith Wigglesworth, who said, I would rather be under the anointing of the Holy Spirit for ten minutes than have the whole world with a fence around it. I agree with that. One thousand percent. Hallelujah. If you lose your relationship with the Lord nothing else has any life in it. Nothing else does. Even Paul, with all of his deep um, teachings of Judaism, and all of that, uh, you know, all of that training, and all of that intellect, he said he, he said, he counted it as dung, compared to knowing Christ. And if you don't know the Lord, you haven't found what true living is. Glory to God! Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit's moving. The Holy Spirit's moving. I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to get behind some very wealthy, even, not just billionaires, even multi-billionaires, and He's going to touch their hearts, and they're going to be one to the Lord. They're going to be one to the Lord. Praise God and then they will turn around and there'll be a blessing. Oh, Pastor Stephen, that's good that we can start reaching, and we can, we can, well, just let the Holy Spirit designate where this or that is supposed to go as the Holy Spirit works through a person. Hallelujah. We just need to stay focused, and God will, God will supply, God will bring provision. Praise the Lord. Don't start grasping. Stay on task. Stay on task. We need to be able to say to the lame, rise and walk in the name of the Lord. We need to stay on the major. Major on the major, don't major on the minor. The Lord will be working in these other areas. Stay on the major. Praise God. That's our challenge. (laughs) That is the challenge in the, in the time in which we live. We are contending for the glory. Distractions are flying all over the place, but we must keep contending for the greater glory the mighty outpouring of the Spirit. Father, we thank You. What has been shared, I ask that You would seal it by Your Holy Spirit, that the enemy cannot come and steal the seed of the Word that has been sown into the hearts of Your people, but that this Word will grow in the heart of their, the soil of their heart, producing the 30, 60, 100-fold harvest. We thank You, Father God. We will see the greater glory. We will participate in it. We will be in the thick of it. We thank you that the cherubim, as they carried the glory out of Israel, when Israel went into apostasy, and the prophet Ezekiel saw it, leave the holy place, leave the temple courtyard, leave eventually the nation. We thank you that the cherubim are bringing the glory back into the church, into the body, into the areas of the body that want it more than anything else. We want to see you move, O God. We thank you that we will see your glory. Now thank you, Father God. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen, and amen. You need to see yourself as a designated carrier of the glory, because the glory is coming, and nothing can stop it. Praise God. Get ready. The best is yet to come. Get your priorities right. Don't be overextending, overreaching in the things that have very little value. Stay on task. Stay on on focus of what God is highlighting. I look forward to seeing you back next time. Till then, stay richly blessed. Bye-bye.